This ministry has been made available by Kenneth Higgins Ramai Bible Training Center, Nigeria. Know what something is, is to know what it isn't. Now, I want us to follow that approach as we examine what faith is. Let's look at a few things that faith isn't. First, faith is not hope. Faith is not hope. Faith is not hope. A few things that faith is not. Faith is not hope. A few things that faith is not. Number one, faith is not hope. Now, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Right? The evidence of things not seen. So that suggests to us that hope doesn't have substance. But it's our faith that gives substance to the things that we hope for. Right? So faith doesn't have substance in itself. Uh, hope doesn't have substance in itself. It's our faith that gives substance to our hope. Praise God. So faith is not hope. Faith is not hope. Now, does that mean hope is a bad thing? Hope is not a bad thing. <clears throat> hope is necessary. Faith gives substance to our hope. A hope is a desire, a goal, something I want to get, something I want to achieve. Like 2019, you know, you have your smart goals for the year. You see, those are hopes, aspirations, desires, goals. You see, if there's no hope, then faith has nothing to give substance to. So there has to be a hope. There has to be a goal. There has to be a desire. But you see, faith is not hope. The problem is, many people start and stop at just hoping. Yes, you should have a hope, but don't stop there. Now, let your faith give substance to the hope. But all some people are doing is they are hoping. Okay, Mark eleven twenty four. The Bible says there, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. So that means you have a desire, right? Now, you are to believe that you receive that desire in prayer, and then you will have it. But if all you do is just desire, and you don't do any believing, if all you do with those goals for this year is just to dream them, you know? By the time December 31st comes, you just find out that you are still sleeping. You get my point? So, yes, there should be a goal, but our faith is not what's going to give substance to it. But if what we do is just hope, then nothing's going to happen. Now, you hear people say things like, I'm just praying and hoping that I get that money. I'm just praying and hoping that by, by the time I go next to the doctor, the report will be good. I'm just praying and hoping that, you know, I get the answer to my prayer. Listen, if that's all you are doing, is not enough. You can get the answer by praying and hoping. Matthew 20, 22, And all things, whatever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. It doesn't say what things ever ye shall ask in prayer, hoping. And that's what many people do. Ah, I just hope it works out. I just hope things go fine. I just hope I get the answer. I just hope I get the visa. I just hope I get... If that's all you are doing, you won't get it. Yes, you should hope. But don't stop there. Let your faith now give substance to the hope. 
Is that clear? Now, sometimes, you hear some people put it a little differently. You hear people say things like, well, I believe that one of these days, God is going to heal me. Have you heard that before? Anybody here who has ever said that? You don't have to be ashamed. Nothing you say will be used against you in the court of law. You know? When those people come to arrest people. Thank you, sir. Praise God. You don't have to. If you've ever said that before, can I see your hand? Yeah. I believe that one of these days, God will do it. You see, that is actually hoping. Even though you are calling it believing, but it's not believing. You know why it's not believing? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is. You see, faith is. And also, now faith is. If it's not now, it's not faith. Thank you, sir. If it's not now, it's not faith. What do I mean by that? Am I saying patience is not important? No, I'm not saying that. Hebrews 6.12 talks about not being slothful, but followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So there's a place of patience. But what some people think is patience is not patience, and we'll see that in a bit. Mark 11.24, for instance. The Bible says, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, at the moment that you pray, it says, believe. Now, what are you to believe? Someone says, I believe the Bible. That's not what it tells you to believe when you want to get your prayers answered. Someone says, I believe in prayer. Yeah, there are many people who believe in prayer that don't get their prayers answered. That's, what it, that's not what it tells you to believe. Someone says, I believe in the Holy Ghost. I know many tongue talkers who don't get their prayers answered. So it's not about, that's not what it tells you to believe. What are you to believe? It says, believe that you receive them. What you desire. That thing that you desire. The moment you pray, you are to believe that you receive. Notice it doesn't say believe that you will receive. Believing that you will receive is not faith, it's hope. Why? It points indefinitely to the future. Faith takes the answer now. Faith says, I believe that I receive. Now notice that the manifestation may not come now. It says believe that you receive them. And ye shall have them. So, you believe that you receive now. At the moment you pray. And what will happen? You shall have. But to say, I believe that I will get it, is not faith. Faith believes that I receive it. And because I believe that I receive it, then I shall have it. You see, the believing is my business. The having is God's business. God didn't tell me to, you know, some people say, you, I'm just waiting for the manifestation. Eh, it's a manifestation. Forget about manifestation. God will sort that out. Mine is to do the believing. See, but sometimes we like to poke our nose into the business that is not our own. <coughs> I'm to believe that I receive when I pray. And then I shall have. You see, faith looks back to the finished work of redemption. It takes it in the now, believes it in the now, and then the manifestation will then come. Do you see that? So if I'm in faith, I won't say I believe that I will be healed. That's future. If I'm in faith, I won't say I believe that God will meet my needs. That's in the future. Faith believes that my needs are met. Faith believes I am healed. Faith believes I receive. 
Do you see that? Hope points indefinitely to the future, but faith takes the answer now. See, First Peter 2.24 says, By whose stripes ye were healed. So if I say I believe God is going to heal me, that means I believe he hasn't healed me. And that means I believe that he lied when he said we were healed. Do you see that? So faith is not hope. Hope points indefinitely to the future, but faith takes the answer now. Faith is. Faith is present tense. Faith says, I am healed. I am blessed. I am victorious. I am more than a conqueror. If I say, well, I believe that God is going to heal me, that means I believe he hasn't. Well, when is he going to heal me? In the millennium? In the street by and by? See, tomorrow never comes. Have you heard that saying before? Eh? When are you going to start your exercise? Well, I will start tomorrow. And then when tomorrow comes, well, I will start tomorrow. Eh, I will start next week. You see, tomorrow will, there will always be a tomorrow today. As long as today exists, there will always be tomorrow. Faith takes the answer now. Hope points indefinitely to the future. But faith believes it in the now. Does that make sense? So to say, well, I'm just praying and hoping something works. It won't work. I'm just hoping that, yeah, it's good to hope that, that, but don't stop there. Now let your faith give substance to that hope. So that you can now say, yes, I believe that it is done. I believe that I have the answer. I believe that I receive. I believe that I am healed. Do you see that? So don't forget, hope points indefinitely to the future, but faith takes the answer now. Does hope have its place? Absolutely. There has to be a hope for faith to have something to give substance to. You see, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Now abides faith, hope, and love. These three, the greatest of these is love. Each of the three has what it does. See, there's the blessed hope that we have. The blessed hope of the soon return of the Lord Jesus. The rapture of the living saints. The resurrection of those who uh, have gone to sleep in Christ. You know, the blessed hope of heaven is a blessed hope. 1 John 3, 3 says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he's pure. So it's a purifying hope. It's something to look forward to, but it's a hope. We know that Jesus will come. I can't say now, brother, let's agree that Jesus will come today. That's not how it works. That is a hope. Yes, are there some things we can do to hasten his return? Absolutely. But you see, it's a hope. It's a hope. We know it will happen. It will happen sometime in the future. When is that sometime? I don't know. It's God that has the timetable, not me. Do you see that? As a church, can we do certain things to hasten it? Absolutely. But you see, that's a hope. When it comes to any of the things God has provided for us, they are ours for the taking. And they are ours now. For instance, you know 1 Peter 2.24 is not a promise. It's not a promise. A promise is something that I will do. If I say, I will see you tomorrow, that's a promise. I will come to your house tomorrow, that's a promise. I will give you 1,000 naira tomorrow, that's a promise. But First Peter 2.24 says, by whose stripes ye were healed. It is a statement of fact. It's not a promise. Something that has already happened. It's ours now. So do we see that? So faith is not hope. Hope points indefinitely to the future. Whereas faith takes the answer now. Faith believes that I receive. 
Now, will the manifestation always come now? No, not necessarily. Sometimes it may be a minute after you pray, an hour after you pray, a day after you pray, a week after you pray, a month after you start believing God. There may be some time between the time you start believing that you receive and the time you have. But you are not to believe that I will receive. That is hope. Faith believes that I receive. Faith is present tense. If it's not now, then it's not faith. Now, am I saying there's no need for patience? That's not what I'm saying. Am I saying the manifestation will always come instantly? That's not what I'm saying. The manifestation may come in the future, but you are to believe it in the now. I believe I am healed. Now, the symptoms may still be on my body. But if I will continue believing that I'm healed and confessing that I'm healed, then the healing will show up in my body. If I believe that my needs are met and I confess that my needs are met, now, not that they will be met, that they are met now. But is there still a need? Yes, there's still a need. But I'm to believe that it is met. If I believe that it is met, then it will be met. But I'm not to believe that it will be met one of these days. Because one of these days is too, is too indefinite. It's vague. Amen. Faith takes the answer now. All right. What else is faith not? Real faith, Bible faith, is not the same as natural human faith. Real faith, Bible faith, is not the same as natural human faith. Now, what do I mean by that? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So we see faith is not hope. But notice, the verse goes on to say, The evidence of things not seen. So faith has to do with things that are not seen. Things that are not seen. I don't need to believe for this microphone. You know why? I can see it. I have it already. I don't need to believe that in this Bible sense of believing for something, that I am in class. I am in class. I can see it. But I believe there are angels in this room. Do I see them? I don't. How do I know? Because the Bible says so. My faith is the evidence of what I can't see. I don't see it yet, but I believe it because God said it. So faith is not sight. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is not sight. Faith is not based on the testimony of the physical senses at all. 1 Peter 1, 8 says, Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So I don't see him yet. However, now I can rejoice. Why? Because I believe. Do you see that? Now, for the sake of time, I'll just give the reference. John chapter 20, from verse 24 to 29. John 20, 24 to 29. Jesus suddenly, after he was raised from the dead, he appears to his disciples. They see him and they say, wow, awesome. In fact, let's read it. Amen. Let's just read it. We do people and injustice just quoting everything. John 20, from verse 24 to 29. That was the evening when he was raised from the dead of that same day. He had appeared to Mary Magdalene in the morning on his way to the Father in heaven. 
to take his blood to the heavenly holy of holies. Well, John 20, 20, 24 to 29. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger. You see, so he's not just talking about sight. He's also talking about feeling. He's talking about his physical senses. And put my finger into the print of the nails. And thrust my hand into his side. Now, Jesus must have died of a ruptured heart. You know, when they pierced his side, obviously, looks like it must have been his left side. When they pierced it, we're told that water and blood came out. It's because his heart must have ruptured. The blood came out to the pericardium, that the sac that holds the heart. And then it, the serum and the plasma. Any medical people in the house? Okay, so one coagulated on that, the other was on top. So when they pierced it, the serum came out first. And that was what was seen as water. And then the platelets under and the blood cells that had clotted now came out. And now it looked like blood. So his heart must have ruptured. Well, whether you understand that or not, you know he died, right? They pierced his side. Uh -huh. Okay. But it's just good to think about some of these things sometimes. So he said, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails. Put my finger into the print of the nails. Thrust my hand into his side. Notice, I will not believe. I what? Will not believe. So it was a choice. It was his decision. It was an act of his will. He chose not to believe without seeing. Verse 26 and after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. You know? Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. 29. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Do you see that? So Thomas's faith was based on what he could see. Did Jesus commend it? No, he rebuked him for it. He rebuked him for it. He didn't pat him on the back and say, ah, that's my man. He said, no, you are not behaving like my man. It's not good enough. It's not okay. So, Thomas's faith was based on the testimony of his physical senses. And Jesus did not commend him for it. Real faith is independent of the physical senses. It's not based on sight. It's natural human faith that says seeing is believing. See, the very word believing. Remember, Hebrews 11.1. 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. You don't see it, yet you're convinced of its reality. So if that's the case, if that's what faith is, why will people, someone say that seeing is believing? Seeing could never be believing. It's the other way. 
believing is seeing. If you will believe, John eleven forty, you shall see the glory of God. So the believing comes first. We must believe it without seeing it. We must believe it because God said it. And then because we believe what he said, we will then see it. But we usually like to put the cat before the horse. Mark eleven twenty four. What things ever ye desire, when ye pray, at the moment that you pray, what does Jesus say to do? Believe. Believe what? That you receive. Now, do you have it yet? No, you don't. If you have it, you won't have to believe for it. But you have to believe that you receive it when you don't yet have it, and then you will get it. You have to believe that you're healed when all the symptoms are still on your body, and then you'll be healed. You have to believe that the need is met when the money is nowhere in sight, then it will be met. You have to believe that God has heard and answered your prayer. When nothing has changed in the circumstance, then the answer will come. Amen. So, natural human faith is based on the testimony of the physical senses. That's not Bible faith. That's anybody, saint or sinner, can have that. Real faith is based on the testimony of the word of God, regardless of what the senses may perceive. Now, in contrast to this uh, Thomas kind of faith, we see a man by the name Abraham, who the Bible says we have as, a, as an example. The Bible tells us that in Romans 4.12, that we are to walk in the steps of Abraham's faith. Now, what does the Bible say about this Abraham and his faith? In Romans chapter 4, from verse 17 to 21, it says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Says, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Says, and be not weak in faith, he considered not, that's verse 19, his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that that which he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, just compare and contrast Thomas's faith with Abraham's. Here is a 99-year-old man. God shows up to him and says, Listen, I have made thee a father of many nations. Notice, God did not say, I will make you. He said, I have made you. Why? Because faith is now. I will do it is future. And tomorrow never comes. But he says, I have made thee a father of many nations. Now, he says that before him whom he believed. So, Abraham believed God. If he believed God, he believed what God said. And what God said is, I have made thee a father of many nations. So Abraham believed, I am a father of many nations. I am a father of many nations. I am a father of many nations. Not, I will be a father of many nations. He believed, I am a father of many nations. Do you see that? Now, what were the odds against Abraham? There were plenty. Number one, when his wife, Sarah, was a younger, you know what I mean, a younger, peperempe, you know what I mean, Peperimpe? Sweet 16. When she was young girl, when she was babe, when she was doing slay queen all over the place, uh, maybe she didn't. Yeah. 
You know, when she was young, she had a problem with conceiving. Maybe it was that she couldn't conceive. Maybe it was her tubes. Maybe they were blocked. Maybe her ovaries were defective. Maybe it was a cyst. Maybe, we don't know what it was, but there was a problem. She couldn't have a child. Maybe it was that she used to miscarry steadily, but she just couldn't have a child when she was young. Problem number one. Problem number two. Menopause had come. Oh, I said, what is menopause? When men pause. <laughs> menopause had come in. You know? Menopause had come in. So, her period had probably ceased. Not probably, had ceased. LH, FSH, prolactin, all that hormonal assaying, the thing done, you know, when the mid-cycle LH spike, there was no mid-cycle LH spike. LH, luteinizing hormone, follicle stimulating, well, I know a little bit of science. Pardon me. Amen. You know, so all that, he done nothing, nothing, no show. That was strike number two. Strike number three, still on Sarah alone. Old age at setting. So, even if she hadn't reached menopause, even if it was possible for her to conceive, her body could not carry the weight. You know, the Bible talks about the weight of glory. Her body could not carry the weight of that glory. Old age at setting. So, three strikes. Well, strike number four. Abraham himself. The Bible says his body was now dead, being a hundred years old. Now, what dead was the Bible talking about there? First, dead of old age. So that's problem number four. Problem number five. You remember what Sarah said when the angel said that to her? She said, shall I have, a, have pleasure again? And my Lord also being old. So you see, when Abraham was still 86, when he was 86, hmm, the engine was still working. He could father Ishmael. Are you listening? But between that 86 and 99, the engine had knocked. Peme. You know, you don't peme. Engine don't die. No show. No show for Abraham. Show, Babu. Babu show. Engine was dead. So, five strikes. And then God shows up and says, I have made thee a father of many nations. So his senses say, no, this doesn't make sense. This can't add up. But Abraham said, look, if God said it, regardless of what my senses tell me, I believe it. And that settles it. So Abraham chose to believe God's word regardless of the testimony of his physical senses. Were there odds against him? They were stacked high. Big odds. Big odds. You know, by this time, Abraham was a wealthy man. So Abraham probably, he probably had contact with the best physicians they could have. He probably had contact with the best of the best of the best. You know? He had been to Cedar Crest. He, has gone, he had gone to, you know, Nisa Premier. And then they went to Garki Hospital. They went to FMC. They went to DIF. They went to they went everywhere. They went to Dubai. They went to London. They went to America. They went everywhere. They, they said Germany, Germany. There's one place he went there. He said India. He nothing, nothing, no show. 
But God comes and says, I have made thee a father of many nations. And he says, well, if that's what God said, I believe it. Now, we can see four things that Abraham did. Number one, he had God's word for it. He had God's word for it. You see, whatever you are believing God for, faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't have God's word for it, you don't have a foundation. Are you listening? So God told him, I have made thee a father of many nations. You must have God's word for it. Many times I meet people who claim to be believing God for something. I say, what scripture are you standing on? And then they suddenly become almost stammerers overnight. Um, 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 as in, um, 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 you know. I remember that video. You know the video I'm talking about. Well, if you don't know the video I'm talking about, don't bother. Don't bother about the video. Don't bother. Something about transmission. I don't think it was real. I think somebody was just mischievous. You know, they can do a whole lot with media. You know, I don't think it was real. But anyway, whether it was or it wasn't, I wasn't there. The one thing is this. What scripture are you standing on? Not any in particular. And then I usually have to tell them, that's exactly what you're going to get. Not anything in particular. <laughs> I'm believing God for spouse. What scripture are you standing on? Um, 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 um. I think the pastor said that the Bible said, forget about what somebody said God said. What do you know for yourself that the word of God says? Have God's word for it. That's the first thing. If you don't have God's word for it, you don't have a basis. You don't have a foundation. Number two, Abraham believed God's word. God told him, I have made thee a father of many nations. And he believed it. He believed it. He believed what God said. He believed it. You hear him calling the things which be not as though they were. See, that's how God talks. God calls the things that be not as though they were. And Abraham did the same thing because he believed God. He believed, I am a father of many nations. So he called himself that. Are you listening? Notice that faith does not call the things that be as though they be not. Faith calls the things that be not as though they were. You say, is there a difference? Let me explain it to you like this. Let's say there's somebody who is sick. He's sick, right? And he's dying. Hmm? He's sick. What is the thing that bees not? Pardon my English. Healing. So faith calls the things that be not as though they were. So what is it to do? That thing that bees not is healing. He will call it as though it were. So we call himself healed. He will say, I am healed. By the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Himself took my infirmities and bear my sicknesses. I am healed. I am healed. He's calling the healing that is not as though it were. 1 Corinthians 1.28 says that God has chosen the things that are not, N-O-T, to put to not, nothing, the things that are. So what is the thing that is not, is healing. So that healing that is not manifested is what you use to bring to nothing the sickness that is. So you start calling yourself healed in the face of the pain. You start calling your needs met in the face of lack. You start calling yourself victorious in the face of seeming defeat. Now, what about the converse? Calling the things that be not. Uh, calling the things that be as though they be not. Okay, what is the thing that be now in the fellow who is sick? Sickness. So, to call the sickness as though it wasn't 
He should be saying, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. Listen, that is not faith. That is denial. Many people do that. I've seen them do it. Listen, in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, Jesus did not say, whosoever shall say there's no mountain. He said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain. See, faith does not deny the facts. What I'm saying is not denial. I'm not denying the problem. I'm not saying there's no problem. If there's a problem, there's a problem. The truth is you can't even solve a problem until you realize there's one. It's like you meet a sinner. And then you tell the sinner about the gospel. And he starts telling you, I'm not a sinner. Say, I'm confessing. I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner. Is that what will get him saved? That's what will get him to hell. If he's not a sinner, and he's saying he's not a sinner, then he doesn't need a savior. If he doesn't need a savior, then he can't receive one. If he doesn't receive the savior, then he's a child, he stays a child of the devil. Does that make sense? What is it to confess that Jesus is his Lord? Confessing, I'm not sick. You're still focusing on sickness. Confessing, I don't have a need. You are still focusing on need. Confessing, I'm not a sinner. You are still focusing on the sin. What should we focus on? The answer. What is the answer for the sick man healing? So you call healing. What is the answer for a needy man? Provision. So you call the provision. What is the answer for a sinner? Salvation. So you call the salvation in. Does that make sense? And while I'm on this, let me go a little further. See, faith calls the things that be not as though they were. Are you listening? Faith calls the things that be not as though they were. Joel 3.10. It says, let the weak say, I am strong. So what should the weak say? I am strong. I am strong. The problem is, some people only say it with their words. They repudiate it with their action. Somebody calls tomorrow. Says, ah, my guy, I can't come to school. Say why? Say I'm strong. Have you, am I, you know, there's, there's choir practice. Say, I can't make choir practice. Say, I'm strong. You know what that is? It's not faith. It's presumption. It will wreck your faith to talk like that. You know what? What should the weak say? The weak should say, I am strong. But don't just say it. Act it. Call and say, I'm coming for the meeting. Say, I'm strong. And because I'm strong, I'm coming. Are you listening? Now, if you don't want to come, and you are feeling sick, and you don't want to come, it, and it's not like you are believing God for your healing. And it's okay. If that's the level that you are, we're not condemning you. So you can call and say, I'm not feeling fine. Or I need some rest. Eh? I'm not feeling so fine. So I won't be able to make the meeting. It's okay. If that's where you are, that's fine. Is that God's best? It's not. God's best is for you to call and say, I'm strong. I'll see you at the meeting. And then act like you are strong. But to say, I am strong and act, I am weak. You're you're destroying your faith. You're deceiving your heart. Are you listening? It's like now, class finishes. You go to meet your friend. You say, oh boy, I'm rich, I need help to go home. Is that familiar talk? Very familiar talk. Let me tell you something. 
look, we are family. Are you hearing me? There is nothing wrong with going to meet your brother eh? and say, my guy, I'm not holding cash. I need some help to be able to get home. And he will help you. And if he can't help you, we'll look for, he will look for somebody, or both of you will look for somebody else who can help you. Isn't it? It's not a bad confession. But to say, I am rich. And what I really mean is that I need money. You know what I'm doing? I'm, de I'm deceiving my heart. The next time, I'm now confessing God's word. I say, by his stripes, I'm healed. My spirit says that, you know, that guy, he said I am strong when he meant I am weak and he stayed home. So if he say I am healed now, what he really means is I am sick. So you are confusing the angels. They don't know what to do. Because you don't say what you mean. You say something, you don't mean it. Does that make sense? Now, the weak should say I'm strong, but it should be more than words. They should actually believe what they say. If you really believe, you will act. We'll get there in a bit. But does that make sense? Don't let it just be talk. You see, we have been so afraid about talk until, hey, I must say the wrong thing. I must say, the, you think they're not saying the wrong thing, but acting the wrong thing is okay. Don't say the wrong thing. Don't act the wrong thing. Say the right thing. Act the right thing. But if you're not saying the wrong thing, but you're doing the wrong thing, I have a mathematical equation. Faith confession plus wrong action equals faith failure. Faith confession plus wrong action equals faith failure. Yeah. So, Abraham, number one, he had God's word for it. Number two, he believed God's word. He believed it. Faith confession plus wrong action equals faith failure. We talk faith. We act faith. Our words and our actions agree. We are believers. The actions of a doer of the word coincide with his confessions. So, you see... He had God's word for it, number one. Number two, he believed God's word. Number three, he refused to consider the contradictory circumstances. Abraham refused to consider the contradictory circumstances. Now, notice I did not say he denied the contradictory circumstances. Faith does not deny the problem. No. What faith does is that it refuses to consider it. Have God's word for it. Believe God's word. Do not consider the contradictory circumstances. I'm not saying deny it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't consider it. See, there are some people who can educate their doctor about their sickness. You can sit the doctor down and tell them how many people have had it in Nigeria. They can tell him how many people have had it in the world. They can tell him how the disease progresses. Because they sit on Google. They Google everything. They can go and buy Kuma and Clark. Is there a medical doctor in the house? Yeah, Kuma and Clark. Sounds familiar, right? Oh, he knows what I'm talking about. They can go and buy a big textbook. They read everything. They know the case studies. They know everything about their disease. Now, there's nothing wrong with knowing something about what you're going through. Are you listening? But you see, what about knowing a whole lot more about what God says about it? Don't stop paying attention eh, to the problem. Stop considering it. You eat it for breakfast or lunch or supper. As you are driving home now, is that problem you are thinking about? As you get home, is that problem you are thinking about? As you lie on bed to sleep, is that problem you are thinking about? You wake up in the morning. No, faith doesn't do that. Faith refuses to consider the contradictory circumstance. He considered not his own body. Actually, one translation says, having considered it fully. 
he considered it not. So he said, okay, what are the odds? Okay, what is the problem? This, 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 this. Fine. Now, what does the word of God say about it? Are you listening? Remember one lady, I went to preach in this church in Lagos. This lady, she had a growth on her body. So she called me. She said, I should agree with her that it is not cancer. I said, no, I won't. I said, because if it is already cancer, it is cancer. It's just like I should agree with you that you are not male. You are male. I should agree with you that we are not in Abuja. Ha. We are saying if we start believing that, they may take us for some evaluation. Do you get my problem? Or oh, my my what I'm saying? Huh? The problem she had. So I told her, I said, look, if it's cancer, it's cancer. The sooner you know that it's cancer, if, it is what, if that's what it is, the better. Then besides, who told you it is cancer? Hey, pray and agree with me. I said, you know what? Go to the hospital. Go and find out what it is. So we know what our faith is up against. But she wouldn't go. Hey, it's not cancer. It's not cancer. It's not a confession of faith. She was making confessions of fear. She was just afraid. She was so afraid you could cut the fear through with a knife. I said, listen, go to the doctor, find out what it is. It's good to know what this mountain is so we can intelligently attack it. It's like now, let's say I'm in a ring to fight an opponent and I'm blindfolded and I can't see the opponent but he can see me. I don't know where he is in the ring, but he knows where I am. And I now start throwing punches. I could throw a hundred and two might hit him. That's what many of us do with our faith. Isn't it a whole lot better you first remove the blindfold? Then you say, okay, what exactly? Who is my opponent? What am I? What is arrayed against me? Okay, is this guy? Oh, how tall is he? How, what does he weigh? What are his strengths? How, well, how fast can he move? You know, does he last long? Can he take, if I give him many punches, you know, it's like Muhammad Ali and George Foreman. He wore the guy out. Foreman punched and punched and punched and almost killed Ali. Ali just refused to fight back. Right? You know the story. Yeah. And then he, he, he got the other guy. He got him. He wore him out. Then with the last bit of energy he had left, he got Foreman down. Right? Yeah. Because he knew. He planned. He knew this is this guy. This is his strength. He won't last this long. He will be tired. I will let him punch until he's tired. Then when he's tired, it was a big risk. A stupid risk he took. Because if that guy, if he hadn't knocked him down or out, the guy would have won on points big time. Do you see that? But you see, he knew who he was faced with. Yeah, I know we're not WWF. This is not World Wrestling Federation or World Boxing, you know. But what I'm saying is, it's good to know what your faith is up against. Then when you know what your faith is up against, you now say, okay, this is the problem. Now, what does the word of God say about it? So you're not, it's not fair. Some people are afraid of what their problem might be. Look, if that's what it is, that's what it is. The sooner you know, the better. Not knowing 
being afraid and not wanting to hear the bad news doesn't change it. Are you listening? After about three months, I finally got her to get to the hospital. When she got to the hospital, you know what they told her? Says nothing. And here she was. She was going to have, have a stroke, have high blood pressure over nothing. Now, she would say now that she was believing God all that while, and she was confessing. No, she wasn't. She was in fear. So it's good to know what your faith is up against. So faith does not deny it. Faith, however, now says, that, okay, this is it, right? Now, what does God's word say about it? This is what God's word say about, says about it. What am I going to do? I'm now going to believe what God's word says, and I'm going to speak what God's word says regardless of the problem. So now I'm going to stop meditating on the problem. I'm going to stop concentrating on the problem. I'm going to stop considering the problem. I'm going to stop giving my attention to the problem. Instead, I'll give my attention to the answer. Does that make sense? Yes, so faith does not deny the problem. However, faith refuses to consider it. Doesn't pay attention to it. It faces up to it, yes. Doesn't deny it, yes. This is the situation, yes. He now says, what does the word of God say? Remember what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4. If you read from verse 7. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He said, we are troubled on every side. Said, but not distressed. Say, we're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. He didn't deny that he was perplexed, persecuted, cast down, troubled. Said, yes, we may be troubled. However, I have this to say about that. In another place, he said in 2 Corinthians 16 9, said, God has set before me an open door, and there are many adversaries. He didn't deny that there were adversaries. See, faith, eh? Is not blind trust. It's not. Sometimes people say faith is a leap in the dark. Not really. Faith is acting in the light, the bright light of God's word. So now it may look like it's in the dark to the man governed by the senses. But to you who's walking with God, really, your, your steps are sure. You are sure footed because you are acting in line with God's word in the light. Of God's word. So have God's word for it. Believe God's word. If you to consider the contradictory circumstances. And number four. Praise God for the answer. Praise God for the answer. Praise God for the answer. He was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised. He was able also to perform. So first we said faith is not hope. Second. We said faith Real faith is not natural human faith. Faith is not based on the testimony of the physical senses. Now, let me say this again about that. This class will finish shortly, right? We'll go home. I'll go home. When I'm driving and I see a car coming, a car is actually coming, and I will stop. I won't say I walk by faith, not by sight. That won't be faith. That will be stupidity. Do you get my point? If I want to eat food and the food is smelling spoiled, then I know not to eat it, isn't it? Now, what am I saying? We have physical senses. God gave us those physical senses. They are not our enemies. They are meant to help us in this physical realm. But whenever what my physical senses tell me contradicts what the word of God tells me, then I'm going to tell myself, let God be true. And every man 
including my own outward man, physical senses, a liar. Do you see that? So I go by my physical senses as much as I should. But whenever what they say contradicts what the word of God says, then I have a choice which one I'm going to believe. You know, you're in the house. You put some food on the fire. You're smelling that the food is smelling burnt. Listen, don't say we walk by faith, not by your senses. The food is burnt. Go and remove it from the fire. Otherwise, you may have a fire in your kitchen. Do you get my point? So yes, I'm not saying be stupid and just say no, walk by faith. You know, human nature loves extremes. So I'm not saying, I'm not, don't push something to a stupid extreme. Are you listening? Yes, you know, when I was dressing up for class and I saw I was going to wear a black belt, even though you can't see it, I decided to also wear a black shoe. Otherwise, I look like a masquerade. There are some masquerades. I know there are no masquerades in the class. You know what I mean? Yeah. What I mean is that, yes, we have our physical senses. There's a purpose we serve. Thank God for that purpose. But when it now comes to what God's word says, and God's word now says something different, then we should put the word of God first, regardless of what our senses say. Someone said, feelings are not important. No, feelings are important. I'd rather feel good than feel bad. I know the same for you. Amen. Sometimes, the feelings can let us know that there is a problem. You understand? Some people think that faith is the absence of emotion. It's not. Jesus showed emotion. When Lazarus died, even though he was going to raise him, he wept. Yeah. He was human. You know, sometimes people say that, listen, when you lose a loved one, you don't cry. No, that's stupid. They say the Bible says you shouldn't sorrow like those who don't have hope. Yes. That's not saying it's those who... That doesn't mean those who sorrow are the people that don't have hope. No. He's saying that, yes, we sorrow, but not like they sorrow. They sorrow like those who don't have hope. Because the Bible says you rejoice with those who rejoice. We should mourn with those who mourn. Paul talked about Epaphroditus who was sick and near death. And he said if that guy had died, he would have had sorrows upon sorrow. That's an apostle of faith talking. Who wrote half the New Testament? Do you get my point? So feelings may have their place, but don't make them first place. God's word should come first. Our faith in God's word should come next. Then feeling, if it has a place at all, should be last. But you know what people do? Some people put their feelings first. Their faith in their feelings next. And the word of God, if it has any place at all in their life, it comes last. 2 Corinthians 4.18 the Bible says, why we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Stop looking, keeping your focus, your attention on the problem. Instead, put your attention on what the word of God says. Amen. So, first, faith is not hope. Second, faith, Bible faith is not natural human faith. Natural human faith is based on what it can see and feel, what the physical senses perceive. Whereas Bible faith is based on what the word of God says, regardless of what the physical senses perceive. Does that make sense? First Peter 1 8, whom have ye not seen, ye love. In whom though now ye see him not, ye see him not, yet believing, 
ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. Well, number three. Number three. Third thing that faith is not. Is not mental assent. Is not mental assent. Faith is not mental assent. Mental assent. Mental assent or assent. A double -S, S E N T. Mental agreement. You know, you can assent to something mentally. Now, what do I mean? This mental assent, what is it? John Wesley said something. He said, The devil has given to the church a substitute for faith. It looks so much like faith, talks so much like faith, that few people can tell the difference. He called it mental agreement. E.W. Kenyon called it mental assent. Now, what's this mental assent? Now, there are people who merely mentally agree with the word of God, but they don't really believe it in their hearts. They just agree with it in their minds, but they don't believe it in their hearts. What do I mean by that? See, the mental assenter will tell you things like, I believe the Bible. I believe it from Genesis to Revelation. I believe in divine healing. But ask him a question, are you healed? He'll say, yes, I believe in divine healing, but I am still sick. I don't have it. And I believe that God supplies our needs. I believe it's Jehovah Rapha, but somehow my needs are not supplied. The mental assenter will tell you that the word of God is true, but not in his case. And why is it not true in his case? Because he doesn't act on it. He doesn't act on it. He doesn't appropriate the word of God for himself. He doesn't make that word his own. He doesn't take it to heart for himself. And because he doesn't, it never becomes a reality in his life. There are many people that, you see, mental agreement... And that natural human faith or sense knowledge faith, they are brothers and sisters. The mental center, when the pressures come, it reverts back to a Thomas kind of faith. He only agrees with it in his mind. He doesn't really believe it in his heart. And because he doesn't really believe it in his heart, he doesn't act on it. He tells you that the Bible is true, but not in my case. I believe in divine healing, but you see I'm sick. I believe that God is my source, but, you know, my needs are not met. And why? He doesn't really believe it. If you really believe, you will act. He doesn't really believe it. Now, while I'm on mental ascent, let me say something. You see, man is a spirit. He has a soul. He lives in a body. The soul of man, you've taken pneumatology one, consists of his mind, his will, and his emotions. In man's soul, there's that uh, faculty of the will, which a man uses for volition, which he uses to make a choice. Are you listening? Now, the will of man is strong, no doubt. See, believing is an act of the will. You make a decision to believe God's word. You choose to believe God's word. Your mind is a gateway, is the gateway to your heart. Are you listening to me? But the problem is this. Some people, they are not working in faith. They are working in willpower. Is there a difference between faith and willpower? Big difference. Willpower is when I trust my ability to make it good. Faith, I'm trusting God to make it good. Willpower is just sheer determination. Is there a place for determination? Yes. We should be determined to do God's word. But the strength 
of our determination is God himself. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which walketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So faith is not willpower. Willpower will get you only, will get you thus far, only to a certain extent. No matter how much willpower you have, you can't save yourself. That's the truth. Willpower, when it meets sufficient pressure, it will fall apart. Faith is not willpower. Yes, believing is an act of the will. It takes a choice, a decision to believe God's word. But faith is not sheer or mere willpower. There's one stubbornness that some people have that they call faith. Some people think faith is throwing drugs away. Some people think faith is breaking their glasses. Not necessarily. It may be suicide. Amen. So first, we said faith is not hope. Second, it's not natural human faith. Third, it's not mental assent. Fourth, it's not foolishness or presumption. It's not foolishness or presumption. It's not foolishness or presumption. In Matthew chapter 7, real faith is not foolishness or presumption. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. Jesus said, Whoso heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. The floods came, the winds blew, beat upon the house. It fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. He said, Whoso heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, said, I will liken him unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The floods came, the winds blew, beat upon the house. It fell. And great was the fall thereof. See, foolishness is when people don't do God's word. They may be doing something else, but not God's word. That's foolishness. There's some things some people do in the name of faith that aren't faith. At the best, it is presumption. And at the worst, it is foolishness. Presumption in Numbers 14. Numbers chapter 14. From verse 40 to 45. Numbers 14. Let me read that. Numbers 14. Numbers chapter 14. That's when the children of Israel got to Kadesh Barnea, turned out the 12 spies. They came back with their evil report. They accepted the majority report. And then, um, let's go to verse 40. And they rose up early in the morning and got up. Numbers 14, from 40 to 45. And got them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we'll be here, and we'll go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do ye transgress against the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and ye shall fall by the sword, because ye are turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you, but they, what's the next word? Presumed. Presumed. It was just presumption. They presumed. 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 Amen. It's a Hebrew word, afal. 